0: Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to have amazing conversations with physicians from every specialty. Before we jump into today's specialty, if you are a pre-med student, go check out medschoolapplicationbook.com. Again, that's medschoolapplicationbook.com. That's my fourth book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Application Process, and it is now available for pre-med order. Uh, It's due out May 25th, which if you're applying this cycle is late, but I'm working hard with my publisher to try to get it out as soon as possible. And there's there's some options that I'll be having, and I'll send some more updates soon, where if you pre-order it, you can submit your receipt, and we'll get you a PDF copy of it so you can start honing your application and not make mistakes like we see on application renovation, which is my YouTube series, if you haven't seen that, where I review students who did not get into medical school. So again, medschoolapplicationbook.com to go check out my new book coming out soon. This week, we have a great guest, an amazing pathology subspecialty that you'll hear is not one that can typically sustain you for a full-time gig, but an interesting subspecialty nonetheless. We're going to talk to Dr. Jose Mentia, a sarcoma and soft tissue pathologist. We start the conversation by talking about how Dr. Mentia first became interested in pathology and sarcoma and soft tissue pathology specifically.
1: So, when I went to medical school, I thought I was going to be a psychiatrist, which didn't last too long. It uh, lasted for about one semester. <laughs> uh, I, re- I really, like, we had a proper histology course. We had three semesters of he- normal histology in medical school, and I fell in love with it and realized that I wanted, that's, that was actually what I wanted to do for m- my life. Uh, so, I made up my mind really, really early in medical school, helps uh, that I'm probably a a very visually oriented person, mm. so that that was a big part of why I decided to do that. So yeah, I made my mind in my first year of medical school, uh, and I planned all my rotations and my things with that goal in mind. Um, so in my in Colombia, our sixth year of medical school, uh, you do a essentially a real internship. You rotate in everything as if you were doing a transitional year. And the second half, we used to get a, a good amount of elective time. We essentially got six months of elective time. And I did three months in pathology, three months in clinical genetics. And I had, a, I had a mentor back then in our pathology department who was really into bone pathology. Uh, he also did a bit of everything. And he was probably the one who convinced me the most about it. Uh, when I started residency, I thought I wanted to be do either bones of tissue or hematopathology. Uh, I think they, they do share a fair bit of things in common. And I made my mind also really early for a second year of residency. I do still I did still like hematopathology. Um, I think I like the fact that bones of tissue is a very niche of specialty. It's pretty much the kind of pathology that all pathologists tend to be afraid of. Mm you see the most interesting things and you see a very wide variety of entities. So I made my mind early in residency. And so I, after residency, I did a fellowship in general surgical pathology and the year after, a year of bone and soft tissue pathology.
0: <laughs> you like, give me more fellowship training. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to be a real doctor yet. <laughs> to
1: be going, yeah, go practice in real life. It does help. Um, yeah. Especially, yeah, as, as I was telling you, um, it's hard to practice bone and soft tissue pathology alone, um, even in, in a large academic center. Uh, I still do head and neck and thoracic pathology. Mm. So a amount of overlap.
0: Yeah, so, so talk about that for a minute. So bone and, and soft tissue pathology, why isn't there enough demand to, to have that as your full-time career? It's disease
1: epidemiology. If you think about it, sarcomas are one percent or less of human cancers, and the amount of benign lesions is not that common either. So, if you if you're practicing bones of tissue pathology, you have to practice in a large academic center that has the orthopedic oncologists and the multidisciplinary teams to to practice it. So there are many places where you can do it, and when you do it. Um, unless you have a gigantic consult service, you'll want to do something else.
0: Yeah, so it's it's almost a good thing that you can't make it a full-time career because sarcomas, <laughs> sarcomas aren't the best cancers to have.
1: No, they're, yeah. not, they're not good news.
0: Yeah, okay, very interesting. So talk about what what is sarcoma and soft tissue cancer? What does that look like um, for, for you as a pathologist? What sorts of diseases are those?
1: So there are very diverse diseases and most of them are rare. If we think of all sarcomas being about 1% of human cancers and you have hundreds of different types of sarcomas, they all look very different. Uh, they all behave very different. You have sarcomas that are very indolent and that can, you can just excise and won't metastasize will behave well. And you have sarcomas that are essentially dead sentences. And that respond very poorly to therapy. Uh, you think about oh, like mm-hmm. new emerging round cell sarcomas are, are probably just have dismal prognosis, mm. versus you think of lower grade sarcomas or benign things that may resemble sarcomas. It makes a big difference how to classify them. Um, there are some, there is some overlap, but we have a lot of tools. Mm. We have a lot of immunohistochemical tools. We have a lot of molecular tools. We do a lot of amateur radiology, Um, so it's, it's challenging. We see a lot of really uncommon, really interesting things, and I feel what we do makes a big difference in how patients get treated and how they're going to do in the long term.
0: Yeah. What do you think are some good skills or traits that lead to someone being a good sarcoma and soft tissue cancer, or maybe just a general pathologist?
1: Uh, for both, I think you have to pay a lot of attention to detail, be, yeah, be someone detail-oriented, be, of course, visually-oriented, as long as in, in any area of anatomic pathology. You have to read a lot. I've never stopped reading, uh, staying up to date, um, in, especially in the realm of sarcomas. We come up with new new classifications. We have all these new genetic tools. We describe new new sarcoma types all the time. Or findings that make sarcomas behave more or less aggressively or respond more or be- better or worse to some kinds of treatment. Do you always have to stay up to date?
0: Mm. Uh,
1: what else? I think we, we, have, we are at our institution, we're about four or of patient pathologists. And we work really closely. Uh, we show each other cases all the time. We try to do consensus conferences nearly every day. Uh, so it definitely helps to to have a good team to work with and, and wor- yeah get along with them.
0: Yeah. What are some of the biggest misconceptions around sarcoma and soft tissue pathology?
1: That's a good. Well, that all sarcomas are terrible. I think that's a major disconce- a misconception. Of course, any kind of cancer is bad news. Yeah. Uh, but what we do makes a huge difference. Uh, I can find things that respond a lot better to treatment. There's targeted therapies. There are sarcomas that are very indolent. Uh, you think about low-grade pyromystic sarcoma, for example, that that don't require much systemic therapy. Uh, So there's a a huge relevance of what we do. Um, People often think, well, sarcoma is bad news no matter what. Um, That's not necessarily true. Uh, I think a general misconception about Pathology altogether is that uh, we receive something and we're some kind of magical black box, it's a <laughs> final diagnosis, which could not be farther from truth. Yeah, I uh, think well, there's a lot of subjectivity in what we do. Uh, and it's as much an art as it is science.
0: Yeah, and, they, and they, there always seems to be a lot of frustration from the the physicians sending specimens to pathology expecting that you're this magical black box and then they get back basic information saying like, we need more information. Um, <laughs> and, and so to, to, to kind of garbage in garbage out is a very common saying in a lot of fields, but it's the same thing. Yep. If, if you send me a sample and you don't tell me what it is or what it's from or what your thoughts are, I'm not gonna be able to tell you what it is. You took the words out of my <laughs> mouth. We we cannot work in a vacuum. Yeah.
1: Uh, for instance, every time we sign out bone tumors, we look at imaging. And uh, we were closely. Another interesting thing, as you were mentioning, sometimes the bigger the mass, the smaller the biopsy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> And people don't
1: seem to understand that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So for, for all you future primary care doctors listening to this, and even s- subspecialists, <laughs> treat your pathologist nicely and give them as much information <laughs> as possible.
1: And as much tissue. There's no such thing as too much tissue.
0: Yeah. For the sarcoma and soft tissue uh, pathology world, how much patient interaction is involved? And I know some pathology fields, there's a little bit more, but do you have a lot in, in that specific subspecialty?
1: Very little. Sometimes patients do call my office to ask questions about their diagnosis. Because um, so of course, there's a lot of uncertainty. Especially, we we, we get consults from a very broad area. Mm. Some patients in more rural areas, uh, where who don't necessarily have access to a sarcoma team. So every every very seldom I talk to patients who have questions about their diagnosis. Most of our interactions are with other physicians.
0: Yeah. Talk about the the training path to be a. Um, a sarcoma soft tissue pathologist obviously four years of medical school And what what does the training path look like for postgraduate do, training
1: do four years of well either three years of residency if you do anatomic pathology only or four if you do anatomic pathology and clinical pathology combined uh, then afterwards uh, bonus of tissue pathology fellowships are one year so, a minimum would be four years of training. Um, I did APCP and two fellowships. So, I ended up, yeah, it would range from four to
0: six years. Mm-hmm. What does a typical day look like for you?
1: I have a very flexible schedule. I usually walk in later in the morning. And when I'm on service, I go over cases with resins. Usually, I look at the biopsies first, the in house biopsies, work them up, order immunohistochemical stains. Then look at the large risk resections. Uh, with another resident, we usually have the residents get split between biopsies and large resections. and uh, That takes most of my morning and early afternoon, uh, after which I review consult cases with the fellows. Uh, our, our, our institution, the fellows' responsibilities usually take care of guiding the residents and reviewing slide reviews and consults from the outside. So we go over that. Um, some days I'm on frozen sections, which is either from 8 to 12.30 or 12.30 to 5. Uh, so I do that in the at the same time as we're trying to sign out cases, which breaks out the day a little bit. Yeah. Um, I do tumor boards. Um, I cover several. We have two sarcoma tumor boards a week. Usually do a sarcoma tumor board for the extremities on Tuesdays and one for visceral sarcomas on Wednesdays. And I also cover thoracic and head and neck tumor boards. Um, so those usually take an hour here and there.
0: Can you explain what tumor board is for a student hearing that oh, or, or maybe have, has heard that before and they're like, what is this tumor board thing?
1: So tumor boards are really, a really fun part of the job. Uh, it's when we have a meeting with surgeons, radiologists, radiation oncology, medical oncology, and this Cost complex cases um, between all all specialties uh, try to set up a plan for treatment or additional study. Uh, so it's 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 a very close multidisciplinary work.
0: Yeah, why is that so different than every other field? You don't you don't hear of like endocrinology rounds or boards, right? Of like oh, let's talk about diabetes boards, like. Why, why is tumor borers, why is that so special in the oncology world? I think as cancer is becoming more and more,
1: cancer care is becoming more complex. We have better treatment options. We have genetic, genetic findings that can guide treatment. So it's becoming more individualized. And, and every patient's cancer can be treated differently or studied differently. And so it makes sense to to meet as a team and discuss these cases, to try to give the patients the best care they can.
0: Mm. Yeah, makes sense. What uh, What's the competitiveness of matching into something like sarcoma and soft tissue pathology fellowship?
1: It's really a buyer's market. Yeah. Uh, we have very, there are very few fellowship training programs, uh, I think. During the single digits in the United States, um, there are, it's also the field that pathologists are afraid of most of the time. <laughs> so, so it really is a buyer's market and we all know each other. It's a very small world. Uh, so I don't, I think everyone who's interested ends up in a good fellowship. Yeah. There's not a proper match. It's, it's a more informal process. So, so it's, it's very, generally
0: very low key. Okay. That's good. What does call look like for you? Call is seldom. I take call, I would say, about
1: night call, about every week or every other week. It's all from home. Uh, So it's all about rush biopsies or frozen sections.
0: Mm. Well, what would be a good example of of a patient or a a disease pathology that would require that sort of urgency?
1: A lot of the time. Staging, we most of the mar- of, of the frozen sections we receive are margins. Patients who are getting oncologic resections of complicated tumors and make sure need, surgeon needs to make sure the tumor is completely excised. So we get representative sections of the margins they're concerned about, and and we we can give an estimate or we can yeah give a rapid evaluation of whether of whether the margins involved or not. Mm. That's probably the most common type of frozen section we have. Uh, Rush biopsies are usually more commonly transplant biopsies. Uh, when we cover call, we cover general surgical, pathological, so we do everything. Uh, I would say the most common is transplant rejections.
0: Do you feel like you have enough time for life outside of the hospital?
1: Yeah, for sure. Most of the weekends are free. Um, I am not a morning person. I tend to shift <laughs> my Thursday evening, so I get home late and my wife may complain a bit about that
0: but I, I have a lot of
1: flexibility
0: with covid 19 i've I've talked to a few pathologists who have potentially seen this shift of like we we've had this technology to scan slides forever but we never used it we would still come into the hospital all the time do you see a potential shift away from pathologists going into a hospital and, and using technology to be able to read slides at home
1: that's a very good question i i uses we use a slide scanner we have the technology and we can slide and scan slides and look at them from home i do that sometimes when i'm on call Uh, if there's a resident still on site they can they can scan them and i can look at them remotely it's not the same i think it's going to take more and more place it still doesn't feel like having the glass light in your hands but but it's for sure convenient and i know but i actually look at i've done some telepathology I volunteer for this uh, ASCP, the American Society of Clinical Pathology, has this program uh, where we review cases from Africa. Uh, so I look at slides from Uganda sometimes as consults, of challenging sarcoma cases, uh, uh-huh. which is fascinating. You can see, yeah, something across the planet straight from your computer. So it's it's great.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It Probably the same. Yeah,
1: It doesn't feel the same as a like glass slide, but you can definitely make a diagnosis.
0: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting <clears throat> just kind of the normal kind of evolution of technology where the younger generation of physicians, of, of pathologists coming up will be more accustomed to not holding and manipulating glass slides. <laughs> they'll, they'll consider uh, you as the old fogey who wants to still hold the glass slide. And they're like, why do I, you need that? You don't need that.
1: <laughs> I think that, I think that, that might happen.
0: <laughs> you I'm, still get some three
1: dimensionality on the glass slide that you don't get on the computer. That's probably what I, what I feel yeah. the most.
0: Not yet, at least. Not yet. Yeah, okay, interesting. What, uh, what is there in terms of, of negative bias towards osteopathic residents or, or fellows? Is, is there anything that osteopathic students need to do to overcome any negative bias?
1: Not at all. Uh, our matching class here right now has, I think, something like three out of the five incoming first years are DOs.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And we yeah,
1: have a lot of co-residents cool who are DOs, so I don't think there's a bias at all in, in our specialty.
0: Yeah. I always joke. I'm like, how do how do you do OMT on on pathology slides? <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. Uh that's that's good to know. That's that's really good to know. You you talked already uh about the kind of the the fact that pathology doesn't operate in a black box and uh, in a vacuum and the the referring or consulting physicians really need to to provide as much information as possible. Is there anything else that you want, the, the future primary care docs and specialists that are listening to this, anything else you want them to know about your job?
1: Yeah, I think there's something that's also really important and, and can stop, prevent frustrations on both sides. It's to understand that tissue doesn't make it straight from the patient into a glass light in seconds. And it takes processing. So processing usually entails the tissue goes into formalin to fix, uh proteins become cross linked the tissue essentially doesn't rot then it gets dehydrated and the water gets replaced by paraffin through a a series of processes and from that paraffin the tissue is cut the paraffin is removed then stained well yeah dehydrated stained and cleared so light can go through it that whole process is complex and takes about eight hours on average You, you can speed it up but it does affect quality so it's not productive when like, you have just taken a biopsy and call pathology half an hour later, asking for results. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it takes time to process patients. It takes time. If something's, something's easy, yeah, we can look at it and make a diagnosis in seconds. But sometimes cases are difficult and we need to think about them. We need to order additional stains. We need to show them around to our colleagues. So I would say that sometimes you have to compromise fast or accurate and i would always pick accurate
0: yeah um there's there's a saying in the in the kind of entrepreneurial world i, I forget the exact saying but there are like three things quality speed and cost. cost and you can only have two of three you you can't you can't have something um, fast and of high quality that's cheap right it's going to it's going to cost you a lot and That's you, impossible. yeah but you can have something fast and cheap but it's not going to be very quality and so it's kind of the, the same in, in the pathology world you want it fast it's not going to be very good
1: it is the, it is exactly the same yeah. and it it does get frustrating when you start getting yeah phone calls half an hour like let us let us do our job we're not we're we're, we're trying to give you an answer quick yeah you want the right answer
0: Yeah. And that's where I think we we were talking. um, We were talking about EHRs before we hit record. And I I think there's an opportunity there for when the physician puts that order in for the EHR to say, hey, doc, this is going to take eight hours. Don't bother your pathologist. That's a good idea. <laughs> of course it's a good idea. This is the kind of stuff I think about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Unfortunately, I, I thought a, a long time ago, it was, it was funny, during during my internship, I, I started planning uh, an EHR. I'm like, I'm going to make an EHR in the future. And then that kind of went off the, the rails. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so... Obviously as a, as a pathologist, you're working with a ton of different subspecialties. For the sarcoma and soft tissue subspecialty, what, what, subspe- what specialties are you working the closest with? Uh,
1: ortho, orthopedic oncology, of course.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, oncologic surgery for the abdominal surgery, surgical cases. Uh, medical oncology, we're really close. Radiation and radiology. Essentially, all of, all of us work together. Yeah, uh, working for a bit with ENT as well.
0: Okay, interesting. Is there anything you know now that you wish you knew before going into a sarcoma and soft tissue pathology?
1: When I was a medical student, I also thought that we were a black box and we had absolute <laughs> objectivity. And I should have known better back then. But I have no regrets about it. It's it's part of knowing it better. Um. I think it's very important and I would say I I I would emphasize that it's important to know every other specialty of medicine too if you're going to pathology. Especially if yeah you're doing as a subspecialty that deals with rare diseases. Um uh, you need to know some radiology, you need to know need to know some surgery, some internal medicine, you need to know a bit of everything. So don't blow off all the other specialties because there's a lot to learn from them.
0: That's a, a very all right, that's that's very important for every specialty. I think I think too many students, once they hone in on the specialty that they want to do, like like you did very early on, it's like, well, I don't need to know this. I don't need to know that. That's that's not part of pathology. And then you realize, oh shoot, <laughs> like I should have paid attention.
1: <laughs> you need to learn all those things.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. What do you like the most about being a sarcoma and soft tissue pathologist?
1: I see really interesting diseases. I I really like that. Uh, We work with a really nice group. Uh, We have a really good collegial environment. I think it's very satisfying to make some diagnosis, especially, it's really fun to diagnose something that's benign, that's appearing aggressively clinically, but you can reassure the patient that their disease is benign. Uh, Or yeah, it's not a high-grade sarcoma. That's very satisfying, being able to tell someone yeah, your is benign. Um, we see really interesting things. I I really enjoy teaching as well, and I enjoy doing clinical research. I really like my job altogether. That's good. What do you like the least? Administrative issues. <laughs> Administ- administrative burdens never fun. but I think that goes with every single specialty.
0: Yeah. In the pathology world, is there a lot of, uh, fighting with insurance companies or no? I had,
1: uh, probably a lot less so than other specialties. I often fight with insurance companies with molecular testing. Uh, we have a really interesting platform that's based on RT-PCR and we use it to detect, uh, fusion genes. A lot of, a lot of sarcomas, about a third of sarcoma entities have some fusion genes that help us diagnose them and drive their behavior. And we have this 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 platform runs something like 100 genes through our TPCR, uh, and gives gives you a fusion gives you an exact fusion gene regardless of the partner. So you can detect a lot of new fusions uh, on top of the ones you know. And getting insurance to approve that test is a nightmare every single time. Yeah. No. Um, even though it's it's necessary, and NCCN guidelines tell you. Like use molecular to classify things accurately. But as soon as you tell an insurance company something is multiple genes, they, they essentially instantly
0: deny it. Yeah. Uh, from the, the, the standpoint of technology or major changes coming to the specialty that, that students coming up through training should be aware of, I, one thing I love to talk about in pathology is is machine learning and AI, um, the big big guns like Google and, and other startups are, are out there trying to uh, create algorithms for reading slides um, as an adjunct with with pathologists. Do you see that making a big impact in the next five or 10 years? Where do, where do you see that technology going? I think
1: it will make an impact. Uh, I think the impact might be more positive than anything. Uh, it might take a lot of the tedious parts of our job away, you know, like scanning lymph nodes. Uh, it, it, it might make our job easier. The same was said about molecular. Uh, people thought that yeah, you could sequence every single tumor and it would give you a diagnosis, which turned out not to be true, uh, but it's a really useful tool. I think the same thing is going to happen with machine learning. We'll, we'll be able to have computer tell us things that are, might make our life easier. Uh, I imagine looking at, say, mediastinal lymph nodes or lymph nodes sitting in head and neck, and you're looking at 100 lymph nodes by yourself, and you can scan them and have the computer find small metastases. Yeah. That'd be nice.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I was I, literally just listening to a, a podcast episode. There's a startup in the Bay Area using MRI technology to do full body scans in an hour, doing a full body, full body scan in an hour to detect stage one cancers. Um, and they're they're hoping to get the cost down to $500 a scan, which would be phenomenal to uh, go every couple of years and get a full body scan in an hour. It'd be amazing if you could get there.
1: That would make a huge difference. Yeah.
0: So I, I love technology. I'm a, I'm a huge tech nerd. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a... Uh, soft tissue and sarcoma pathologist? I would, definitely.
1: Oh.
0: Any last words of wisdom for the, the student thinking about pathology or, or looking at different subspecialties in pathology?
1: I think if you're interested in going into pathology, it's good to, more than anything, learn what we do, how our, subs- how our specialty works. Um, unfortunately, medical school curricula have been getting shorter and shorter on histology
0: and anatomy. And those are very important. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's I don't, I don't understand it. It's like, hey, one of our biggest selling points is we get you in the clinical setting in 18 months instead of 24. I'm like, how are students learning everything that we know when we know more and more, and more every day? I don't understand. It's scary. Uh, I, re- I had three semesters of
1: gross anatomy, and three semester course of histology, and now it's like
0: first like everything two weeks. Condensed in and here, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, and I don't know if it was like that in Colombia. I'm I'm doubting, but but everything here, it's all taught to the test. If you don't need to know yeah. it for for step one or step two, then you'll learn it eventually it at some map. point.
1: Yeah, in Colombia, it was the medical school in Colombia is really different. Uh, for one, we we had a six year program, no. and the other thing is. You're expected to graduate and practice as a primary care physician.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, with with or without a resident. So it, it it it's a lot more hands on, uh, and we definitely got a lot of more preclinical science.
0: Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Uh, well, I would say yeah, learn anatomy and histology, know what pathologists do. I think, with even less basic preclinical science curriculum. Um, medical students get exposed less and less to pathology, which makes it difficult for us. Uh, So it's always nice to get a rotation. If you're interested in are rotating pathology, uh, it will definitely make you competitive. And we're a very small world. So we tend to know each other all, all over the academic pathology world.
0: So reach out.
1: Reach out, for sure.
0: All right, there you have it. Again, Dr. Jose Mantilla, a sarcoma and soft tissue pathologist. Hope you learned something today. If you want some more information about sarcoma and soft tissue pathology, go to isbstp.org. That's the International Society of Bone and Soft Tissue Pathology. Again, that's isbstp.org. Have a great week. And don't forget to check out medschoolapplicationbook.com. This is MedEd Media.